till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No. And cancer is pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer is a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. Yeah, let's jump into it. So, hey, Leanna, I'm pretty excited today. Oh, my God. I am so excited. Why are you excited? Well, we have our first male guest. Oh, a boy. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> cancer just doesn't happen to women. <laughs> it doesn't. No. If you've been listening to Thanks Cancer for season one, you know that it does only Too bad to for women. men. Too bad for men. <laughs> so, but today it's actually perfect because we're starting out with someone who's a great advocate for men's health oh, and awareness about I, cancer. I found him first. You did. It's Justin Burke Bickler. Hi, Justin. Hey, and I'm impressed you got my last name correct. <laughs> Thank you. I was very stressed out about it. Yeah, no, we practiced a little bit beforehand. Yeah, I mean, this is hour seven of the call. Just, they've been practicing for six and a half hours. Somebody please send that. Oh my God, it's been like 40 minutes. (laughs) So, so tell us, Lena, you found, how did you find Justin? Like, how did you, how are we connecting? So I found Justin online. I only know Justin as a online avatar because when I started following cancer survivors, that's what I was looking for. I ran across someone who is talking about balls all the time, all the time. Every post is about his balls. He's always talking about his balls. And his handle is fantastic. Oh my God, his handle is amazing. It's a ballsy sense of tumor. Yeah. Which is fucking hilarious. And I'm sad that we don't have balls, so that could be our name. Well, (laughs) I I technically don't have balls anymore either. (laughs) So it could still be your name. Do you have one? Yeah, I still have one, but... Oh, so you don't have balls, you have balls. Right, I have balls. Ball is life. But after I got past the fact that he was always talking about his balls, I... I learned that he's an award-winning blogger at Jack of All Trades. Like, he does speeches. He does articles. Like, he is everywhere. If you look for him, a ballsy sense of tumor is all over the place. And I think it originated as, or his most popular is his blog, where he, you know, raises awareness because testicular cancer is very curable if you find it soon enough. But most people get it when they're teenagers, and most teenagers don't know about it. Or early 20s or 30s. Yeah. Anyway, really young. young. Yeah, it's definitely a young man's cancer. And young men aren't thinking about testicular cancer. So Justin is talking about balls in a way to raise awareness of testicular cancer for people who would think that was funny. I love it. (laughs) So I guess I just want to start out, though, by asking you, Justin, like, so rewind. Tell us a little bit about what life was like before you got diagnosed. Like, bring us back to whatever age you were, what you were doing before, like, any of this came on your radar because I'm sure was it a better time that's the that's a couple loaded questions I'll start by saying that I thought it was the the peak of my life and you know 
to I don't want to spoil anything here, but <laughs> I, I, I found out later that I really wasn't living my best life. This all happened in 2016, and to be pretty honest, 2016 was what I thought was the best year of my life because everything just kind of fell into place. In uh, January, I applied to a program with Google for Education because that's, I was teaching fourth grade at the time, and I applied for a program with Google for Education, and they accepted me as one of 34 out of the applicant pool of like 600 that got to go to the Google headquarters and learn from a bunch of the different people uh, for two and a half days, and it was really, really cool experience. Um, I, I hear the food's great there. It is fantastic. Like, if I mean, I, I live in Virginia, so the commute would be kind of bad, but if I could work there... <laughs> I totally would. And it, it was just probably, I, I thought that was going to be, you know, the peak of my year. But then about a month later, I proposed to my then girlfriend. So that was pretty cool, too. And then it, later on that spring, I quit my job because I, for, for, for a variety of reasons, but one of the biggest one was we bought a house in a different area of Virginia and the the commute would have been like a two-hour commute every day, both ways. Um, and so we bought a house, we got a puppy, I started a consulting side job. So every, everything was kind of falling into place. Um, and I had... And how old were you, Justin? Like, how old were you at this time? I was 25 at the time. And I, I had pretty much no health issues for my whole life leading up to that point. So the diagnosis came as a huge surprise. Yeah, because... I mean, I was, I mean, I was, I was, I thought I was healthy, I should say. Um, but, like, what were the initial signs? Like, was it just found randomly, or did you, like, have something wrong that you had to go to the doctor for? So that's, that's kind of the terrifying part, is I, I caught the cancer on my own, and I, I didn't have any other symptoms. I, wow. I, yeah, I had, I had completed a Spartan run, which is kind of like an obstacle course, uh, run thing like less about a month before my diagnosis and I had what ended up really saving my life was I was I was in the minority of guys who actually do regular self exams of their testicles. Oh wow! So it's like totally random chance that you knew about doing testicular cancer self checks. Yeah, and so I, I mean, just from what I've I've talked and I've done I did a survey on this in the spring, but my pediatrician from the time I was like 15 up through even the couple of doctors that I saw once I became an adult did reinforce that, but that's totally not the norm. When I surveyed, I surveyed uh, about 600 guys, or I think it's, uh, the survey's still open. I think it's nearing about 700 completions now at this point. But the, I, I want to say it's something like 80% of guys said their doctor has never talked to them about how to do a self-exam or how frequently. That's a huge percentage. Yeah, it's, it's almost 85. So what, what stage were you? Like, how far along was the cancer when they found it? I was stage two, which I had caught it pretty early because in September I had done my, you know, self-exam at the beginning of the year. I mean, the beginning of the month. And then this was the beginning of October. I did the self-exam again and there was now a noticeable lump. And that's, that's um, my particular type of cancer doubles, the mass doubles in size every month or something like that. Wow. Holy shit. That is super fast moving. Yeah. It's, it's like, 
It's weird because Jeepers. so testicular cancer is very very curable, but it's also very very aggressive. It, and to the fact that in the as recently as the seventies, it was pretty much a death sentence. Um, if if you no matter what stage you caught it in, if you were diagnosed with testicular cancer, you pretty much had like six months to get your affairs in order. How long how long ago was that that it was a terminal disease? Uh, well, like within the past forty years or so, it was. Holy cow! Yeah, the the treatment was kind of revolutionized in the 70s and they added um, Dr. Einhorn out of Indiana kind of did some experimentation with some different chemo drugs and found that adding I can't remember which specific drug it was that he added but it, it's it went from being like 95 mortality 95% mortality rate to now overall it's like a 95% survival rate so he wow. totally flipped it in the matter of you know 40 years that's amazing so let me ask you like what was your psychology like so you found the lump you went in and got the diagnosis and um did they give you your protocol right then and there yeah so as soon as i felt the lump i kind of in my head i was prepared to hear you have cancer because i knew just in research i i knew if they if you feel a lump in your testicles and you're in your 20s it's not really a good sign so Mm -hmm. i kind of was prepared to hear that I was going to have cancer, but what I wasn't prepared to hear was that I was going to have to have my left testicle removed. Like, I just thought they could remove the mass, but leave a testicle there. Uh, I thought the same thing with my breasts, by the way. Yeah, I felt the same. I was so surprised, too. how long did you go from lump to protocol? Uh, Two days. Wow. So, it was... pretty quick. Yeah, uh, well, I should say, from when I initially felt the lump, it was to surgery was 20 days but from by the time they confirmed that the the lump was not just an infection or something you know abnormal well i mean it was obviously abnormal but it wasn't like normal abnormal which was a really good way to say that um Mm -hmm. but yeah it was i met with the urologist on the 26th and then on the 28th i was in surgery so in uh in two days i went from having two testicles down to one which i mean i I woke up and I was more aerodynamic, so it wasn't all all terrible. (laughs) And you were lighter. You lost weight. So what was the psychology like for you at that time? I Um, mean, to think about losing a ball, like, for survival. Yeah, it was... I'll be honest here, and that I didn't... I didn't cry when I was told I had cancer. I was like, okay, that sucks, but that's fine. But when they said, you know, that the ball that's coming out, um, that's that was I only really cried twice through my whole cancer experience, and it was one that was then in the be uh, in the be- very beginning right there, and then I did again towards the end when I was having some anxiety if the cancer uh, the chemo was effective or not. Well, going from planning on having your balls to planning on not having your balls in two days. Like, that's a really quick turnaround. Yeah, it was. Um, but what I kind of realized was I, I was going to be upset about losing the ball, but I realized that keeping it in and letting it kill me would be even more nuts. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Must have been shocking. So how was it with your fiance? Because you, you said you were engaged at the time that you got this news. I mean, did you have to break the news to her? Yeah, I. she had offered to come to the doctor's appointment with me, but I had said no because I just thought, you know, it was going to be another, you know, we need to order a couple more tests so i wasn't expecting to hear that on the on the thing but she was she was very supportive and continued to be uh throughout the whole thing 
and you know she was her and my mom as I went through further treatment later on kind of tag teamed as my caregivers oh that's nice Uh, so then what was the rest of the treatment like so you got the surgery and recovered from that presumably and then what happened next you said you went to chemotherapy yeah so about a week after surgery I had a set of scans to see if it had spread throughout my body anymore and it it had uh, not to any organs but just to my lymph nodes and so wasn't that stage 3 at that point if it spread to your Mm -hmm. lymph nodes no it's a certain number of lymph nodes I think yeah it's uh it's stage for in testicular it's if it's just in the lymph nodes it's stage two but it once it goes to other organs is when it's stage three or a significant amount of lymph nodes and so stage four is like it's all like it's everywhere yeah you 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 pretty much on a cat scan just glitter like you're a twit so it's like multiple other places rather than just one other exactly so yeah i was stage two and so the protocol for that is chemotherapy and the and I, I ended up having 10 weeks of chemotherapy which on the whole doesn't sound like a lot but because uh, you know was it every week it was every day of every week pretty much <gasps> um, 10 weeks of every day getting chemotherapy so kind of, uh, let, let me rephrase it wasn't exactly 10 weeks it was um it wasn't like you know every single day but for five days straight i was in the infusion chair for anywhere from eight hours to five hours uh and then the following week i was in there just for an yeah so uh to to summarize it i had 21 treatments within those 10 weeks wow Um, that's that's a lot lot. and i've heard that sometimes they can do a pill chemo is does that sound familiar at all that was something i asked about because my my grandfather had cancer in uh when i was in college and he was on oral chemo but uh that wasn't an option i could i directly asked about that if i was if that was possible i know i do know some guys who have done oral chemo but they were on they were in stage one or sometimes what's called stage zero when it's when it's like suspected more and is test is testicular cancer like breast cancer in that there's a bunch of different types or is there just one type of testicular cancer there are three types okay so there's there's seminoma there's non-seminoma and then there's teratoma teratoma is extremely hard to treat but it's also extremely rare of the three i I have no idea what that one how you treat that one really i think that one needs like extensive surgeries Uh, i had non-seminoma which is the second most aggressive but that's it's also treatable and then seminoma is the if you're going to get one of the three that's kind of the lightest package if you will um <laughs> it's testicular cancer and light yeah well i mean technically your package is already lighter when you have testic- uh, testicular cancer so <laughs> it totally and i'm just gonna ask the question because we're going here and you're so <laughs> affable about it does anyone get a reconstruction is that something that's offered so that is totally offered i, I will tell you that i did not go that route but i know uh, one of my friends who I met just through happenstance, he has he had testicular cancer twice. Um, so he has no real testicles anymore. But when he had the second one taken out, taken out, he put in a prosthetic. And so I guess it's pretty much like they put a marble in there. Like mm-hmm. obviously probably a little bit more complex than that. I'm not really sure. And not made of glass. 
No. Yeah, that was, that, I think it's made of like either metal, metal or like plastic of some sort. I'm not quite sure. It, metal sounds really cold. Yeah, I was just silicone, wouldn't it? I don't know. Well, we should we we can do our research. But <laughs> I would make sure that you have like Google Safe Search turned on before you do that. Yeah, right. Exactly. I would think Google Images. I'm that's going with true. It. Yeah. But you decided not to do that in the end. You decided not to do that. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it really never was even a discussion point. I, I, it wasn't really something I was interested in. It's, you know, by looking at me, you wouldn't know how many testicles I have. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I feel like I can tell. Well, and and if you can more, pe- well, I mean, now if you look up my name, you see a picture and it's like, this guy has one testicle. And so you might be able to look at it. Um, but, I'm going to pay attention. Yeah. So, and I, like the other thing is if I'm putting like a fake testicle in, I would have wanted one that kind of looks like BB-8 from Star Wars, but I didn't think, <sighs> you know, George Lucas would go for that. So, you know, I just hard passed on that. You didn't want to trademark down there. I understand. You got to be you. Yeah. <laughs> and then what were, so that was, so that was a lot of chemo though. That was, a, that was a ton. I mean, it sounds like a boatload of chemo to me and what would like what kind of chemo was it and what were the side effects of it for you so it's called uh bep chemo and it mm-hmm. is a combination of bleomycin etoposide it's cisplatin uh mm-hmm. which fun fact about cisplatin it's literally platinum that has been turned into a, li- a liquid and then just shot through your body so yeah yeah, so my blood is now worth a lot on the black market. Oh wow. my god, how much how much would we get if we drained you? I'm, I mean, I'm not going to put a number out there because then... <laughs> I don't know, I feel like you're worth millions. Probably, well, I mean, I, I so at one point I actually added up all my insurance bills just because I was curious. Mm. Um, don't wow. do that because that's a terrible I've life done choice. It. I've done it. It actually puts a lot of pressure on living, doesn't it? Yeah. I, um, about halfway through treatment, I was already over $100,000. So that was, I don't even know what it is. You know, I'm, I'm about two years out from treatment. So it's, it's my recurring bills aren't as bad, but when I have scans and so on and so forth, they, uh, but yeah, I, I'm basically at one point I was like, what was that show? Like the $6 million man. I was like half a million dollar man. Mm-hmm. Um, so little, and then did it feel, did it, I'm guessing, let me just guess too, because it, it sounds like really fabulous to have platinum in your blood, but let me guess, it didn't feel so fabulous, did it? Was it yes. Did it feel crappy? I felt <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. That was, I, I mean, like every, every side effect you think of when it comes to chemotherapy, I experienced, I had, um, I had constant fatigue, constant nausea, my hair fell out. I was basically like Katy Perry in the sense that I would be hot and I would be cold, you know, back to back. I I both was exhausted constantly, but I couldn't fall asleep naturally. So I was, I had sleeping pills. I had, uh, towards the, towards the end, I made it through 19 of the 21 treatments without vomiting. And then I made up for that pretty quickly. Uh, 
after that 19th treatment, I threw up for like five days straight to the, to the point where I was refusing to eat because I was like, well, if I don't eat anything, I can't throw anything up. That's not really how that works because your body just dry heaves and that's that's uh, that's worse. And then uh, I I'm also managed to gain a lot of weight. So on top of just having, which confused me because I didn't eat anything. So I didn't understand how I gained so much weight. But I guess it was all like water retention from the steroids and everything. It's weird though. It's happening to all of us who get cancer treatment now uh, because I, and I don't understand it either. It was the same for me. I think it was the same for Leanna to point. I think you're uh, metabolizing air. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. I would believe it. So how long did the side effects, so you went through 10 weeks of this treatment with the, the what was it, like 21 treatments in 10 weeks? Crazy. And then how, like, how long did the side effects last for? So the side effects lasted a lot longer than 10 weeks. I, I want to say it was, pro- so I finished chemo in January. It was probably well through, you know, the end of June until I felt, uh, you know, back to, you know, much more put together. I And, like, to this day... The side effects linger, for sure. So we talked a little bit about, like, the side effects and what gets worse. Are there things that get better? Did you have victories in the dark? Were there things that, like, surprised you about treatment? Um, I guess what, the biggest surprise for me was how quickly I rebounded in between each round uh, of chemo. Like, I... So, I, I had five days straight, and by the fifth day, I was... It was, like, moving in molasses. So, I would... You know, Saturday and Sunday would have been day six and seven, but I didn't have treatment on those days. So, I basically spent those whole days in bed, and then I was ready to rock and roll on Monday. Um, and then... Wow. Yeah, it, it was the wildest thing. And then, well... But then, by the end of treatment... Once I got into like treatment 15 or whatever that last five day span was, I was expecting that to happen again, you know, Saturday, Sunday, but it didn't happen. Uh, so that was, and then that's when, you know, I guess whatever my body must have been metabolizing everything quickly, but then it must have just uh, hit a point in which, you know, it, it just couldn't handle it anymore. So, but. So treatment wasn't all bad all the time it wasn't as bad as you expected uh i don't know if i'd go as far as to say it wasn't as bad as i expected i would say it was only about 85 percent as bad as i was expecting probably the first half of treatment i almost thought it was going too well and then it was like it came back with a vengeance at the end it's that cumulative thing I think I think you're it's right. It's so I think mean. It it's just so mean. It's like you reach that load, and then it. What what bothered me was like it took a long for me to Justin. It took a long time for the effects to wear off. You know, and you want that, right? Because they're designing these drugs to stay in your body, so they yeah. keep killing the cancer. Right. And so, it, I mean, it, it makes sense, the cumulative effect. It's just they told me that the whole time through treatment, and I wasn't experiencing really any cumulative effect, and then all of a sudden it hit all at once. Boom. Wow. Oh, my God. Ugh. So then what's your so what's your deal with as far as follow up? So you you got you, you know, they send you out into the world. They're like, OK, you finished your chemo. And was that just it for you? Or do you come back for scans? Like, what, what does that look like for you? So I had 
uh, scans for every... Once I was put into remission status, they I had scans like every three months and then every six months. And then my next scan is actually on Monday. And provided that scan is clear and everything, then I'll move to yearly scans until I get to year five. Uh, and then past then, I don't really know what the protocol is past year five. Freedom forever. Yeah, I, I, I would love to stop paying for scans every so much. So tell me about how your life has changed post-cancer. Like, it seems like you've done a lot of things post-cancer that you wouldn't have necessarily done pre-cancer. Yeah. What are those and, things? And that's kind of what I started in the beginning of the episode talking about that while cancer was probably the physically hardest thing I've ever done in my life, it's it's also probably, it was a hidden blessing um, because I I did not make the best use of my time. I was, I would just dive, you know, head, for, head first into every project that I was offered, even if I wasn't super passionate about it. And then when cancer came around and more or less forced me into saying no to things, I realized as I was saying no things I, I wasn't missing those things anymore and then I began uh, well I, I began a ballsy sense of tumor on the first day that I was going through chemo so that gave me the first Holy day cow. so wait isn't that like two days after you found a lump in your ball uh, no, chemo was a month after I had surgery okay. so you had a uh, you had a month to think about your name yeah and, and honestly that's probably that was probably one of the longest things I spent it like the just de- the decision to like go public with everything wasn't really a hard decision. It was I spent a lot more time on being like, what could the name be? Um, <laughs> and That's great. I went. I went through. I forget. It, I came down to. I think there were like there were four. There were like three options I had before I finally came up with a baldy sense of, sense of tumor and I still can remember two of them but I don't remember the third one off the top of my head oh my god can you tell us the rejected ones because that's, that's yeah funny. so the, the original rejected one and that's what was the original google doc that I was writing it was just called the cancer chronicles but that was kind of boring so I vetoed that one and then I I think there is a cancer chronicle there probably is that might be why I vetoed that and then the next one was called the testicular trials. But, and I, I kind of like that one, but then I was like, that kind of sounds like I'm putting my balls on court. And uh, that's not where I'm going with that. You did something wrong, balls. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try to kill me ever again. That, I, and that could have been, that. that's like, a, that's coming this fall to CBS. That's a new spinoff from Law and Order. <laughs> hey. I would watch that movie. I would entirely watch the crap out of that. It's streaming on Netflix. It's please leave a five star review. <laughs> Netflix original. I like it. Starring Adam Sandler. <laughs> so you found out a name for this thing, and the best name ever, by the way. Yeah, it was. And yeah, I just I. And did people? Did people, like, approach you about this? Like, what, how did you get received? So I was, like I said, I was teaching fourth grade at the time, and so I did a lot of social media about being a teacher. And so I had amassed a 
decent following for not like paying for followers or being any sort of like well-known person in the world um and so the the first story that i published was how i told my students that i had cancer and mm-hmm. uh, your your second grade third fourth grade, grade. Um, fourth grade so i i wrote up the story about how i told them i didn't tell them i had testicular cancer i just said i had cancer um and so i i published that on my teaching blog and the bottom of that had a the end of that had a link that said, hey, I'm going to be stopping this blog for a while, but I'm going to be writing on, on a ballsy sense of tumor. You know, I invite you to follow along. And then I reached out to people who did have more influence and, you know, that most people when you're like, hey, I have cancer. I, I would love if you would help me share my story a little bit wider. I'm going to be like, no, I have no time to help you. Um, so <laughs> especially when it's as easy as pressing the retweet button, like I wasn't asking them to like go up to everybody and grab them and be like you must read this blog so that that was kind of helpful in getting started and then okay and what's it like going from being a fourth grade teacher to talking about your balls all the time and did you have did it have an effect on your career because usually that's not something that elementary school teachers can do right talk about their balls right so funny story one of one of the most popular um blog post I wrote on my teaching blog was about how I swapped out the chairs in my classroom for yoga balls. So I basically said I went from writing about one form of balls to another form of balls. Um, (laughs) That's really cute. Yeah, I mean, it's not cute to talk about the latter one in front of fourth graders. Um, But so that is one thing. I do keep keep the ball-related humor out of, you know, my my job at school. But the the students... No, and I never never thought that you would do anything, like, talk about it at school. But, like, don't people Google their kids' teachers and don't kids... Google their teachers. Yeah, and so I I get out ahead of that. I tell my students I had cancer, and you know if the, if they ask what type, I say you know it was it was a boy cancer, and I haven't really ever been pressed beyond that. But like I was I was totally open with it with parents and stuff. There like people would be like they said something because there's you know you're exactly right if you google my name stuff about balls whether it's yoga balls or man balls will come up well you've you've like won a ton of awards on your advocacy work you've like you're like out there as someone who is talking about this and trying to educate the community like i mean not to say that you're a big deal but you're kind of a big deal (laughs) thank you i i don't see i don't i don't see myself as a big deal um I, I just, I always say, like, I'm one man with one ball with one mission. So, yeah, it is, it is, I, I mean, that that can just be the name of the episode right there. Yeah, like, but exactly. we, need, we need to make it into a palindrome, Done. a man, a plan, a cow. A man, Animal. I like it. If you could do that. I'm going to think about no, this. Uh, I, yeah, you okay. have until Monday to come up with. Okay, Leanne is into the word play. Okay, I am um, into the word play. You know, once, once you dip your toe into that stream, you're not going to be able to get out. Right. Into the stream. Yeah, into all the streams. All right, so I'm going to I gotta ask you, because you we as we just established, you are an expert in this field. We usually end each episode with two or three 
three protocols um, for folks. And so, so I guess what would be your two or three protocols that you'd recommend to people, tips or tricks, hacks to get through this stuff or ways of preventing, um, you know, this or, or ways of finding out that you have testicular yeah, cancer? Yeah, if you were world dictator, how would you change the world? Yeah. Oh, well, does it have to be related to cancer? Because I would just make, take everybody's it money. It probably should be related to testicular <laughs> cancer for the purposes of this podcast episode, but we could tackle some more questions All right. in the spinoff. Um, so I, I, I would dictate three things related to testicular cancer. Um, first, I would dictate that uh, everybody knows how to do a self-exam. Uh, because obviously there is a lack of information out there and while a self-exam is not going to prevent testicular cancer, it's going to help you catch it in a earlier stage which then makes it easier to treat which means you might not need chemo so you know it's it's a difference a, a self-exam takes like two minutes a year i mean two minutes a month um, so that's 24 minutes a year in my case it's 12 minutes a year now because i only have half the amount of area i need to check uh so that's that's a silver lining right there um that's so nice. so <laughs> that would um that'd be my first Executive order. Okay, that's a good um, one. That's yeah, a good that's one. Your first my, yeah, no, it's a good way of looking at my, it. My uh, my second protocol would be that men especially start openly talking about their health on a regular basis um, because it should not like I I should not be a unicorn, if you will, for the fact that I openly talk about my health journeys so frequently. You're huge taboo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's just appropriately sized, but... It, oh, wait. That's that's not what you mean. Um, <laughs> no, that's not a euphemism. My, my, my mistake. <laughs> but I, I do... But, I mean, that, that hits the nail on the head. Guys will make euphemisms and innuendos and all that kind of stuff till they're blue in the face. But then when you want to get serious about health, the, the, you hear the crickets. So that would be protocol number two is that everybody opens up and, and talks about it. And talks talks very directly to yeah. you about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a lecture or, and it doesn't have to be a two hour conversation, but just, you know, I, I being an elementary school teacher, I was basically surrounded by women all the time, and I would hear them talking about going in for mammograms or pap smears or whatever, just like in passing in the hall. But prior to my diagnosis, I didn't go up to the other couple guys in the te- in the school and be like, "Hey, when's the last time you uh, bent over and let a guy examine your prostate?" I would. Do you think that teaching fourth grade has helped you in your? ball humor categories. Yeah, because it's... I was able to use a lot of the lessons that I've learned from being a teacher in that I would, you know, I, I grab someone's attention with either humor, you know, in the case of students, I might connect it to a movie or whatever. But so you, you open with the hook and then you hit them hard with the education later on. And so that's that's how I teach. And that's also how I approach testicular cancer. Like if, if I went up to someone and I was like, hey, I want to talk to you about your balls, I probably be, be laid out. Uh, well, in 
kids always think balls are funny. Yeah, and <laughs> like young young kids. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's a good thing to open with humor, and then you know you can follow that up with the actual education. So you told me that you had three protocols. I did. So I have one more protocol, and the protocol this is this isn't even directed at testicular cancer patients and survivors or men in general. This is just people any cancer patient or survivor in general is that you need to find some way to chronicle and share your story because and this is for a couple of reasons one it's nice to look back and have a record to see how far you've come um whether and then it's also nice to make realize that you're making it a bit bigger impact than just your own personal story like yes i use my story as the avenue to transmit the information but I, I don't necessarily want it to be about me I want it to be about education and awareness and I think that's one thing I've always strived Oh, that's something I've always strived to do, and I think that's really... Well, and your story is a part of that bigger cancer narrative. Like, your story is a part of the larger cancer story, really. Yeah. And so it's it's all it's all about that. And you don't you don't have to take it to the point where you're posting on Twitter every three hours about your balls. You can just share it with your close friends and it has a ripple effect from there. But I, I think and also like having some sort of you know, my, my outlet is writing and you know, I do speaking and so on and so forth, but the, the primary way in which I share my story is through writing. And it, that doesn't have to be yours, but it, it finding some way to get out your feelings is hugely therapeutic and it helps you process and then it can also help someone else in the long run as well yeah. and so I I think it's I think that's fantastic and just talking hearing your protocols too leads me to a question um, that I want to get to before we close up too is there any way because I've never been taught how to help as a partner of a man because I'm straight and I date men who have balls and I've never actually and I've actually been with I've dated someone who had testicular cancer um, who was who had, had gone through it before we were together but it never came up like how I might be able to help like can can a partner help with the examination if they're down there already can yeah. they like notice things um they, I mean if so I, I know another survivor that I connected with, his ex-wife actually was the one who discovered he had testicular cancer. So you don't know, like, I'm trying to figure out the most politically correct way to say this. While you're... And we can edit it if it gets too saucy. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm actually just really curious. Um, you know what I mean? Just as a partner. No, I, I mean, honestly, while you are in that region, region for some other reasons... Um, you might feel something yeah, odd. So you could you could basically do an exam monthly without necessarily being like, ooh, I'm going to do this to you, but after <laughs> right. I examine your testicles for signs of cancer, because that kind of kills the mood a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you could basically do the same thing that a guy would do to himself, or really just, even more importantly, just talk with the guy and be like, hey, you know, I care about you, and I want, I want you to do this monthly, and just just do it and you know yeah and i think that's i think that's where it really needs to be is helping men to prioritize their health 
feel yeah. it on the first. Yeah, well, I think that's I think it's important because that's how, by the way, that's how I found the lump in my breast. It was my boyfriend who found it. And just where it was positioned, I couldn't have found it on my own. There was no I like was cancer, doing examinations. Cancer and, is a team sport. Yeah, I mean, I was doing examinations and there was no way. So I'm always curious. So if each of us women tells the men in our life that they need to check for cancer, the world would be a better place. Right? We all want to be able to talk more openly about all of everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, if, if we all talked openly about our cancer and everyone felt it on the first, I think the world would be a better place. Yeah. So, Justin, tell us where people can find you um, on social media and how they can even hire you for a speaking engagement. So, on social media, I, I am on Instagram. It's a ballsy sense of tumor. All one word. On Facebook, it's also a ballsy sense of tumor. On, it's, uh, on Twitter, it's absot, A-B-S-O-T, and then T-C after that because I didn't check that earlier and a ballsy sense of tumor was like one character too long. It's so hard. It, it really was. I was very upset about that. I should have checked that before I made that. And then uh, a ballsy sense of tumor.com is the website. And then uh, my email is justin at a ballsy sense of tumor. All right. Well, so if you want to reach out to Justin, but you will hear a lot of talk about balls. You, so. you will learn far more about balls than you ever wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thanks, Justin, for being with us tonight, for talking to us, educating us on balls. Yeah. Thanks so much, Justin. And thanks. Thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thanksCancer.com. traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself where is my cancer unicorn but we're at the gate with your cancer card we're your passport date cause cancer's damn hard oh thanks cancer thanks cancer thanks cancer victories in the dark <laughs>